welcome back to another issue of the Rude Issues podcast, where we're gathering around the table to bridge the generational gap and discuss the root issues of our culture. So as I'm Brian Matthew with me, Pastor Steve Woodrow and Pastor Chris Henderson. And uh, we are deep diving into the book of Revelation. Steve, mm-hmm. you covered Revelation chapter 7 in a, in a message you called Spiritual Identity and Security. Oh, man, it was, oh, it's a good one. Powerful. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's on our YouTube channel. But, Steve, you just want to recap just really quickly what, okay. what that was all about. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> as we're getting in, as we said, I think a few weeks ago, you know, chapter 6 is usually where people bail out in this journey of Revelation. And chapter 7 is just this beautiful picture, two different um, views of who the, the family of God is and just God's work throughout history of saving the God and, and uh, you know us being grafted into all the promises of the Old Covenant and the people of Israel and the church and and uh, Israel being one and, and the remnant understanding there that uh, we don't uh, believe in, uh, you know, replacement theology. You know, that's going to lead us astray. A church doesn't replace Israel. Uh, the church and Israel are not completely separate either. Separation theology, uh, what we see in Scripture is remnant theology, that God is always has his remnant. He has his remnant in Israel, in that spiritual Israel, the, tr- the olive tree that we're grafted into. So the church and, and remnant Israel are the same. This is God's people. He's bringing together as one that we all, remember, our children of Abraham, right? Some saved Jews are, are both by blood and by faith, but you're primarily a child of Abraham by faith, and uh, we're grafted in. And this is what chapter 7 kind of dives into, <clears throat> part of that. Um, and I think this idea of spiritual identity and security, uh, these are the things that flow from the gospel, right? Intimately, um, aspects of the of the gospel itself and uh i think we just uh, just throw out a couple of things i, I think just giving a, a big word right now we're in this crisis of faith i think in our nation um the, the idea of having our faith um actually uh, affirmed out there is is disappearing quickly in our secular world um and so I think people are in this crisis of faith. It's only in church that your faith is going to be affirmed and not out there any longer. And so what, how do I live? How do I deal with that? So people are struggling with that. And so we really dove deep on this idea of the importance of owning our faith. Mm-hmm. Right? It's one thing. We're either neglect in this culture, in this climate, we're either neglecting our faith, and that will quickly move to even an open rejection of our faith uh, that we're seeing uh, at, at numbers we've never seen in our lifetime. Uh, and then the, the, this importance of really owning our faith. Um, so let's maybe we bat that around a little yeah. bit, but then we're going to end, because I promised everybody I would dive in and really talk about the rapture and to kind of put some verses and things around that whole big issue. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that part. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, talking about owning a faith, uh, you know, a lot of people on Sunday actually shared testimonies of, like, kids owning their faith, and really just, yeah. I, I loved it. It was yeah, was For me, as children pastor, I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Uh, but I was reading an article the other day that was basically challenging parents, saying, if you're not teaching your children, culture will. If you're not teaching your children, your schools will. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's this idea that, yes, I want kids to own their faith, but it's also this challenge to parents to say, hey, like, what is it that you're teaching your kids? Are you teaching your kids more so than culture is? Because culture is ready to, to pounce on any vacancies in, in what their worldview is and can we fill that with biblical worldview before that even happens? Yeah, absolutely. 
And of course, that raises the issue as a parent. I have to make sure I've owned my faith. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to no, totally. lead my kids where I haven't been myself. So I think there's some humility in our part as parents. Like, wow, I need to be diving in on this thing. Am I owning my faith? As Paul said, Second Corinthians, have I examined my, am I regularly examining myself to see that I'm in the faith, that Christ is really in my heart, you know? Um, those are some big questions that yeah. need to be fleshed out in discipleship, you know, walking with each other. Yeah, and I mean, on that, you know, it's like the identity and security aspect. Those two statements, identity and security, are the two primary things that I think almost everybody operates out of. Like, who am I and what makes me feel safe? Right. Okay? And I love how you just tied it right back to the gospel. And and here's where I think the deficit occurs, is the good news is a small package. It's small. It's your salvation, which is a big package but that no one wants to apply the gospel continually over their lives into their identity, into their security, into their functions. What am I supposed to do with my life? What is the purpose of my life? And so when you, when you, only when you take the gospel and just apply it completely right. do you really see all of that. And I think that's so much of where the struggle is in owning one's faith. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, well, what's the next chapter? What's the next thing? You know, what do I need to apply now? I have salvation. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. But how do I, you know, what's the next step? And it's like, we'll start back at the beginning. And then that's where you're walking with somebody and checking in with somebody. Like, are you applying the gospel? Absolutely. Well, when I kind of see it as, like, I, when I was listening about that part, uh, it's talked about, you know, making the making the decision. Yes, that's salvation. But in my brain, I was like, is it is it kind of like love? Like, the way I was, you know, depicted love, especially loving my wife, it's, Love isn't just like one decision and you're done. It's like a constant action to be pursuing my wife and, and you know, serving her. Uh, and is that the way that making a decision for Christ, like, yes, saying the prayer, absolutely. I believe you know, the Bible says, you know, you're saved through faith. Yeah. Uh, but but can it be also like the, the constant action of saying yes to Christ on a daily basis, walking, walking with him, following him? You know, on, on a daily basis, like is that actually what it means by saying yes to Christ? It's it's not like I said it like when I was five and I'm good, I'm covered for life. Like, yeah. right. But I feel like that's how it's advertised. Oh, I know. Oh, you know, I know. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. No, so, that's yeah. good. And then I mean, like the one question that you just kept, you know, like who can stand? You know, yeah. who's going to stand? And that again, that's what yeah. chapter seven answers. Those yeah. who've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Under the, the promises of God. Those who know that Christ is in their heart, it saved them and they've made a stand on that. Um, that, that and that, that provides the yeah. inroad actually into the whole rapture idea of, of who is a child of God, you know. And what happens at salvation. So But yeah, as we're looking at the highlights, another highlight, I'm sure this one was for you too, Brian, but just are you more consumed with physical physical security or spiritual security? Yeah, and I mean, it's like you know when I when I when I received that, it was just like wow, that's a big defining question. So it's almost like you know you're giving out a grid work of how can we assess do I own my faith or do I not, mm. and then we can kind of process through these questions. Yeah. But I think some may have a hard time understanding like what is the definition of spiritual security? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, well, Jesus, I, I don't know yeah. if I said this uh, on Sunday or not, but, you know, I think it's uh, Matthew 10, 28, 25, somewhere out there. But Jesus says a pretty profound thing, right? He says, do not fear those who can kill your body. Yeah. Fear the him who can, right, kill your body and soul in hell. Yeah. Um, that's that's uh, 
that's that's not um you know coddly little jesus talking mm-hmm. there right yeah. that's some serious stuff so in other words he's making a strong point is come on folks uh you your our frame of mind needs to not be in this physical world i'm the attention needs to be on my on my soul right what's going on with my soul and is there health there am i right with god right yeah. in in that place uh and, and of course look, look what we're in right now we're just consumed by physical security right my comforts we're in americans we have we're the most fluent people have ever lived on the face of the earth and we love our comforts we love our things and they consume us well, boy, you know, our role in discipleship, right, in preaching the gospel is to call out of people a hunger for below the surface. Anybody hungry for for soul security, right? right? And and only the gospel is what provides that. Yeah. Well, like I've seen in the last couple of years, you know, people taking extreme measures to make sure that they're physically safe, which is fine. Right. That's absolutely fine. But are you taking equally as many measures right. to make sure you're spiritually safe? Right. Or more. I mean, more so it should be, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of effort we put into physical security is does that outweigh right. the effort we put for spiritual security? Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. So that's good so. stuff. All right, we want to dive in the rapture. Ooh, yes. so, the rapture. Um, so guys, feel free to just dive in here, stop me, interject or whatever. But uh, I'm going to try in a real short period of time just to lay out um, some because we can't get into all these details necessarily on mm-hmm. Sunday morning. So those of you who are listening, I, I hope you'll have your journal ready and write some verses down. It's super important that when we approach the scripture, we always come to our theology in great humility. And uh, we come with the Word and Spirit. The Word is our authority. The Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit, right, to give us, illuminate that truth in our lives. And um, I think just uh, some ways to understand prophecy is so important here. Um, We get off the rails when we adopt a theological system. And again, I'm going to just say it, right? If you've listened to books out there and you've got all this fine chronology of when things are going to happen, just throw those in the trash can. Um, because, uh, not that there's not some good stuff there, but that that is imposing on the Bible a system that man has made to understand. The, the bottom line is the book of Revelation is not written. Prophetic, apocalyptic language is not written in chronological order. It is a series of radical visions that are given to the prophet to write down to lead us into <clears throat> the truth of God, what he's doing in the end, all circled around the culmination of Christ's purpose of uniting all things on heaven and earth um, together. And uh, so I, I think that's the big thing is to realize, look, we uh, I do. I, I long to, even as I'm studying reasons, I want to piece it all together. We want to put yeah. the puzzle. Okay, what's going to happen next? Sure, we need to look at that, but we need to understand that in the book of Revelation, most of these, it's called recapitulation. In other words, it's the same thing being said in a different way to make a point and to lead everything to this final um, day of the Lord, right, when Christ returns. The other element is, is that the problem with a lot of these other systems that have been put out there is they rely so heavily on a system and structure, and they, they reject, they don't spend the amount of time, all this stuff to understand what's happening in, in the book of Revelation. Everything, all the imagery and everything is already, it's been, it's in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so all the prophecies in the Old Testament are, are, are feeding, are there thousands of years ahead of time sometimes, right? And, and John has taken all these, right, and uh, bringing them to the fullness of understanding what they are. So that's the other important piece of this. So now, the rapture, we need to come to this great, um, humbly, there is a rapture for sure. Rapture just meaning, right, the, uh, God's people going up to meet Christ in the air, um, which is, again, uh, Thessalonians 
chapter 4, which we'll get into. Um, and it, the question is when, right? Mm-hmm. And so a pre-tribulation rapture, it means that it, this, uh, and this is what has really dominated in so many Christian circles, is that before the tribulation, the, in, the Antichrist, all that stuff we hear about, the, the wrath and everything we're reading about, yeah. before that is that <clears throat> God will rapture his church so that, you know, we hear about this left behind series, yeah. right? That <clears throat> all you know, Christians just going to disappear. They're going to float up into air and meet Jesus and go on to be with him. And then the end time is going to happen. Um, I'm going to just come right out and say, I would hold that very loosely. If it happens that way, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, that's it, awesome. Yeah. But I don't think so. And there's some dangers with that um, approach, I, I believe. Uh, yes, we are all to, as the scripture says, we're all to long for and expect him to return any day. But the rapture in most of the scriptures, even the ones we're going to look at, is that, that there's no, you don't see in the scripture this difference between the second coming of Jesus and this other event, this rapture happening. They, yeah. they, they, they are talked about in, in really as the same thing. And um, so let me just go through a, a couple things to <clears throat> justify what I'm saying here. What I'm mainly saying is my own opinion on this is the rapture is happening simultaneously with the return of Christ. At the end, <clears throat> when Christ returns, that there's not this other partial coming of Christ in the clouds and, and everything else, that it all, and I believe just for a healthy understanding of Revelation in general, is it's not multiple, you know, Armageddon's, there's one main battle, there's, uh, it, there, there's really simplicity. A lot of Revelation is speaking about the same thing different ways, not this complex system of, of things happening. And um, <clears throat> I believe that postures us to hear from God. What I think is, I think it's Daniel 12 that says, boy, as the time comes, God's, re- his prophetic, uh, his, his revelation um, uh, will be given to the church that is holding, as the promise of revelation says, those who yeah. look, those who hold on to this are going to be blessed. He's going to bring greater revelation as the time comes, right? The Bible's going to just come alive more and more, right? Yeah. And again, it's very important to understand, as I said earlier, as our culture is moving towards secularism rapidly and, and the culture in America is becoming more hostile to Christian faith, this is actually should be exciting. This is a good thing. <laughs> this puts us back into reading the Bible and it make, it, it, because right. now we're in the same boat. We get it mm-hmm. because every bit of the New Testament is written from a standpoint of, of believers in the church in a hostile environment to the faith, mm-hmm. right? And that's actually when the church is the healthiest and most on fire. Yeah. And so this should encourage us for revival in the church, right, to take place in the midst of all this. God's using all this because he wants a healthy bride, healthy church. So um, the rapture. Uh, I'm going to just give you some verses. It won't take time to go to too many. Revelation 9, verse 4. Revelation 14, 9 through 10. And Revelation 18, 4. The, what these verses throughout Revelation clearly show is that some believers are present and they're protected from the wrath being poured out. So in Revelation 9, it talks about, which we'll talk about this Sunday actually, which is, boy, the bottomless pit has opened the unleashing of the yeah. demonic realm. There'll be a, a heightened level of demonic activity in the world. It's kind of really scary, but it's not it, because it, it, for those that have the seal of God, Right. right, that they are protected from this. They will only be able to afflict those who are not marked by God, mm-hmm. right, sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what we see through Revelation is, wait a minute, there, there's believers on the earth, right, who, who will be protected, just like in the Exodus, they were protected, Israel was protected, the Jews were protected from the ten plagues, mm-hmm. right, but they were present at the time. And so we see the same principle through the book of Revelation, <clears throat> 
Now that leads us into um, another, I think, important aspect for a tree for an understanding of raptures in the beginning is the, the reason why there's such a high, a strong commitment to one reason why is because this idea that, hey, we are, God promises that we are kept from his wrath. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a fundamental, absolute core aspect of the gospel, right, is Jesus on the cross took our wrath for right. us, right, what we deserved. We do not and will not experience the wrath of our Father. He's our loving Father. No one can snatch us from his hands, John 10. This is something we need to really understand. But we need to understand there's a difference between wrath and experiencing persecution. Right. Jesus promises over and over, you will be persecuted. Some of you, the book of Revelation, has the martyrs, right, laying their life down for God. So we're not protected from persecution and, and being reviled for Jesus. We're protected from all this ugly stuff we see in Revelation, the judgment of God, the wrath of God. And um, we're covered, we're sealed, right, from, from all that. Romans um, 3.25, Romans 5.9. I just want to read, because this is core stuff that we need to hold on to. The problem with the pre-trib position, there was the rapture before the tribulation, I believe, is that it, it provides, it divides the church up. Some will be raptured and right. won't have to live during the, ra- during the time the tribulation, and others will be will be left here to go through it. So it's like a divided promise. Oh, well, so just the church in the beginning gets to be raptured, and what about the tribulation saints, the ones that are going to be alive at the time, right? And um, I just see more unity that God brings Israel and the church together, the remnant, right, to graft it in to this beautiful, and the, all the promises are the same, right, for, for all, which we see nothing different in the Old or New Testament um, on those things. But look at this. Um, I'm just going to read uh, Romans 5, 9. Yeah, while you slip in there, though, yeah. um, wouldn't you say, you know, when uh, pre-trib is almost easier to believe. Like, it's like a, a hopeful, like, oh, my goodness, like, I want to be raptured before mm-hmm. tribulation period. But I think that still minimizes the idea of the seal of God, mm-hmm. the fact that we're we we have we're guaranteed to be saved from his wrath. And so whether it's pre-trib or post-trib, like whatever right. you believe, like, right. it's, it, are, are you, is the God that you believe in bigger than any, any tribulation period that we're going to... Uh, it's, it's, it's a great point, right? Yeah. And, and again, people on the pre-trib side would, they're going to agree with us on this right. wrath thing, some of these things. It's just the focus. What They would say that actually a pre-trib makes it realize that, oh, he could come in actually any right. day, so yeah. we should, the blessed hope, um, <clears throat> which... Um, I, I would argue that, uh, boy, he, he's all of this can happen at mm. any time, right? And and again, the secure my security is not in, and this is what you're getting at. My security is not that oh oh I can't wait for him to come. He can come tomorrow, and I'm yeah. and I'm saved out of this. My security is in what he's done for me, regardless of what happens right. in yeah. the earth. And I need to be ready for whatever happens, right? Mm-hmm. Tribulation, persecution, you yeah. name it, yeah. and that I know I'm sealed. And so look at this. This is perfect. Yeah. This is so beautiful, right? Back to the gospel, back to the promise we need to hold on. Verse 9, Romans chapter 5. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, by the blood of Christ, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. There it is, right? Amen. So we, yeah. we, we just know, and that's one of the beautiful things that, right, is often left out. We don't, who's talking about yeah. being saved? You know, we, we share the good news. We don't share this, and this is incredible news right but the problem is people get sidetracked well what about the people who don't believe you know well you know there is a there is a consequence here right so i I think that's something to hold on to but like you you brought up brian is so key is 
that, boy, the key is that I know who I'm back to security and idea. I know who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I know no matter what happens in the world, right, yeah. that um, I am sealed as a mm-hmm. child of God. And that uh, no matter what comes my way, he, he will protect. I mean, his, no make a snatch me. Uh, spiritual protection. Yeah. Doesn't mean Ooh. I'm not going to suffer. Doesn't mean that I might not be a martyr. I have to lay my life down, right, for mm-hmm. God. But I know I'm right with God. So this, this is very interesting, Chris, you brought up this, the question about this. Wow, am I more concerned about spiritual protection or physical protection? Well, this is at the heart of it, right? right. Is if I am really living free under the gospel, then what I'm, I'm, I'm free. I, I know that my soul is right with God for all eternity. My body, I'm going to be persecuted, right? My, you know, I could be reviled, whatever it is. But with uh, my, my security is in my spiritual security, right. that I'm sealed in Him, right? Then I can walk through anything. Yeah. Well, that's Shadrach, Meshach. Look at Daniel. Oh, look, yeah. right? They they went to the fire because you know what? Hey, man, I'm the Lord sealed me. I'm His. I, he, I'm got. He's in my hands, and he, you can kill my body, mm-hmm. right? But you can't take my soul. I'm with forever with the Lord. And by the way, which we'll get to, He's going to raise this body and give me a glorified body that day, right? Yeah, but, so. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's like, so it this goes against everything that has been kind of pushed out there mm-hmm. in the gospel of, you know, hey, you're good, you're going to be great, you're fine, you know, yep. that you have a happy, blessed life. You don't understand trial. You don't understand persecution. Right. You know, and I think that last statement, you know, of just like, yeah, like, you know, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at Daniel. Yeah. I mean, it's like I think so many people are still struggling with their past hurts mm-hmm. because they don't know how to reconcile mm. that, this life is going to have some troubles, and you are still sealed. Not is. Jesus promised yeah, it. Pro- promised. <laughs> yeah. Over and will, over again. Yeah. Will have yeah. troubles. Right. But, I mean, it's like I think people can't, they're still struggling to, like, why did my parents get divorced? Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that so much of, like, of people, you know, hear, you know, they just recite the statement of the, first thing they heard when they learned that their parents were no longer going to be married, you know, and it's, it's traumatized them and they've never taken that and, and put the gospel on top of it and allowed the gospel to heal it. Yeah. And we don't want to minimize people's pain. No, not at all. But we just need to help them see, this is the the avenue to lead them to the gospel, to the gospel. What is uh, second Corinthians one, right? It says we are comforted so we can comfort others. Yeah. So unless we are owning our faith, unless we are applying, as you say, Chris, the gospel, we're not going to be able to bring that comfort to others. Yeah, right? in in time of great need. You know? So even in um, the end times, there's yeah. comfort. Hey, so there's so many here. Let me just give you some passages to look at for the that people use for the rapture. What I'm advocating is these passages, the truth of them. Yes, Jesus returning. Yes, we will be taken to be with Him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> John fourteen three, um, and again, this is where Jesus says, right to the disciples, "Don't let your hearts be troubled. Right, believe in God. Right, and uh, know that I'm going to prepare a place for yeah. you." Right, he is preparing a place, and again in Revelation, the New Jerusalem. It's not out pie in the sky somewhere. Yeah, ultimately, the New Jerusalem, heaven is coming to earth, a renewed new creation, earth that we will reign with him on. First um, Corinthians fifteen fifty one, First um, Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen, and then of course Revelation three ten. I want to focus on the last two. So in Reve- in uh, first, this is the main rapture passage. Let me just read this for us, and uh, we're going a little bit over it, but it's all right. This is First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Listen to this. But we, and this is Paul to the Thessalonian church. But we do not want you to be um, uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. In other words, Christians who have died. 
that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep. Um, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord, right, Mm. will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry and command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The question is, when is this going to happen? What I'm advocating is that this language does not separate. You can't separate in this language Mm -hmm. the second coming of Jesus and a a, a rapture that happens before, right? So I'm just opening this up as a humbly to hold this, right, and to look at this, especially as we move further into uh, Revelation. And uh, and then in Revelation chapter 3, or, um, yeah, 3 verse 10, um to the church at Philadelphia. This is another primary rapture passage. And uh, this connects back to our discussion about um, being saved from wrath. Verse 10 says, because, um, this is Revelation 3, verse 10. Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, he says, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. And um, so what people with a pre-trib viewpoint have kind of forced into that language, oh, that means we'll be taken out, mm. right? But actually, if, 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 if Jesus wanted us to, to really get that, he would have said, I will take you out. I'll remove yeah. you. Yeah. And he says, I will keep you. And there's a real whole big theological discussion around that we'll yeah. keep. Yeah. Sure. But what we see, the other verses I gave in the beginning of this was what we see in Revelation is God keeping, right, his people right? Sustaining them, mm. protecting them from the wrath, but they are being persecuted by the Antichrist and everything else going on, right? Yeah. And uh, so I, I just, uh, I think we just hold things loosely, the timing especially of all this, uh, and we read Revelation with, with out, get outside of our Western just desire to have this mapped out details mm-hmm. and to come to it. Remember, part of the blessing of Revelation and we'll get more into this, but I spoke a couple weeks about it, is to those who hold this, keep it, right, is what comes alive in us is our prophetic identity, people who hear the word of God and who give the word of God, right? Uh, and that means an increase in understanding what God has said in his word, especially his prophetic, especially revelation, right? A hunger, God, give me understanding, right, in this. Secondly is that we'll, uh, this priestly work is that we'll minister to God and we will minister to others as, and we see this, all through the book of Revelation, the priestly work of the church that is preparing us for uh, on this new earth, the reigning and ruling with Christ. And the final was pilgrim, right? That to see ourselves <clears throat> in this world more and more, the healthy place to see ourselves is this is not our world, mm-hmm. right? We're pilgrims, we're strangers, aliens to this place. God has redeemed us. He's called us out to be separate, but to live in this world, as Jesus said, but be not of the world, right? Yeah. To be vessels, priestly vessels, to come alongside, lovingly intercede for people, plead with people, love them to the king and, and to the good news, knowing that the, the time is, is near, you know? Uh, it's been 2,000 years. Will it be another 2,000 or will it be next year? We don't know, <laughs> yeah. but we, it shouldn't change how we live, right? Now. right? Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for diving in. Thank you for, for staying a little bit longer this time. Uh, you know, we're here every Wednesday, 
for you know your midweek jolt, as we call it, uh, to just sit here, dive deeper in your faith, uh, to hopefully give you that shot in your arm to to get you excited about the gospel. Hopefully you're in it. Hopefully you're doing well in your daily audio Bible journey. Um, if you have any questions, comments, prayers, please reach out to us, rootissues at ccaspen.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.